Welcome to the Faith Assembly Podcast. We're so glad that you joined us today. It is our desire at Faith to help you connect, grow, and go in your walk with God. We hope you're encouraged by this message from Pastor Steve. I want to invite you to, if you have your Bible with you, to go ahead and turn with me to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. And, you know, it is, as we've mentioned already, it is Father's Day. And, you know, they've, they've said before, I, I come and stand in this place every week and, you know, share with you the word of the Lord and hopefully um, in some measure try to influence the world around us with the gospel of Jesus Christ and through the teaching of the word. Um, but there's, there's an old adage that says that an ounce of parent... An ounce of parent is worth a pound of clergy. So just keep that in mind and understand that that means that there are few people who hold as much influence and sway in the hearts and the minds of the next generation as the parents who serve and love and care for and guide that next generation. And, you know, we're, we're all in a place today, uh, those of us who are in this room, you're, you're older and you can remember when. Pastor Lisa talked about building memories this afternoon. And all of you have memories. How many of you have memories of dad in this place? You've got memories of, of time spent and lessons learned and all those things. And you realize the impact of influence in your life and, you know, what that means to you. And sometimes I think about the people who have really influenced my life and when I think about those people I want to be those people to someone else in my life the way that other people have indelibly etched on the walls of my heart and my mind in a positive way and influenced me I want to be an influencer in that way to someone else around me not, it's, it's not about the fame or the notoriety or being in the spotlight, but it's about leaving a legacy of godliness in the minds and the hearts of those that I have the responsibility to influence. And one thing I realize about those that have so impressed me is that they have some serious spiritual disciplines in their lives. They didn't become the great influencers and the spiritual giants that they are by accident they had consistencies built into their lives they they were people of prayer they were faithful to the things of god they had awesome study habits they were consistent in their person in other words they weren't one person at one place and another person at another place and another time but they were consistent and these disciplines, these outward efforts had an internal impact. These disciplines in which these people engaged, these outward things, they didn't just read, they didn't just study, they didn't just pray for the sake of doing those things, but they, they exercised those things that they might be changed from the inside out. And it might be said of those who have most strongly influenced our lives that they had character. They were people of character. 
And it must be added as well that these spiritual giants only got that way as they submitted their flaws to the Lord and sought his strength to help them in their weakness. They weren't just born great. But they relied on the Lord. They yielded. They submitted. They lived in communion with the Lord. And today, I want to look at the Apostle Paul's challenge for you and I that we develop character in our lives. So I want to just share with you a simple message today that I've entitled Cultivating Character. Cultivating, growing character in our own lives. And I don't believe there's a more challenging word uh, in all the Bible than the instruction of, of Paul to the church at Colossae here, the Colossian church. And for clarity's sake this morning, I'm going to read from the New Living Translation just because of the verbiage that it uses and the clarity with which the thought is conveyed here. But uh, if you have your Bible with you, shout amen. If you're at Colossians chapter 3, shout amen even louder. If you're not there, say hold up. Okay, good. We're, we're free to proceed. Paul writes to the church here beginning in verse 1 and he says, Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven and not the things of earth. For you died to this life and your real life did you catch that? Your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you're going to share in his glory. First of all, I want to point out to you here this morning that Paul has identified for us his audience. Paul has identified for us here his audience. And when we begin to read the things that precede after this verse, the things that proceed after this verse, this is one of these places where we as believers will often become dismissive and will think to ourselves, man, I really wish that the world outside of these walls could hear this word because the world outside of these walls really needs this word. But I don't know if you caught it in the very opening verses there, but Paul identifies his audience and to, to whom it is specifically that he's addressing, and he's addressing people that he can say to them, since you have been raised to a new life with Christ. How many of you can say that you've been raised to a new life with Christ? That you are, you are saved you are, you are living a surrendered life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ and you believe that in this moment that if eternity were to meet you that you would spend that eternity in heaven with Jesus. Okay, then, then that, that is who the apostle is addressing in this portion of the letter here. He says, for those of you who have been raised to a new life in Christ... For those of you who have died to this life and you know that your real life is hidden with Christ in God, that's who the apostle is addressing here by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And he says this, you know, and again, we go back to that, and the reason I address that is because when we hear what comes next, we often become dismissive and we say, when the world really needs this word. 
The world really needs this word, but the truth of the matter is this is a word for the church. This is a word for the believer. And, and while we might want the rest of the world to hear it because they need to get this fixed, Paul has clearly identified who it is that he's instructing in this moment, and it's us. It's us. In verse 5, he continues here and he says this. This is for the believer. So put to death the sinful, earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lusts, and evil desires. Don't be greedy. For a greedy person is an idolater worshiping the things of this world. And because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. And here Paul underscores that point of who he's addressing again and says, you used to do these things when your life was still part of this world. But now, when? Now. What's the change? What's the count? Now that my life is in Christ, now that I'm a believer, now that I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus, now is the time to get rid of these things. Anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, dirty language. Do not lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. For too many, the, the idea of their Christian experience is that one day they're going to make a singular decision, they're going to respond to a singular altar call, and they're going to come down and they're going to say a single prayer, and in that moment, they're just, you know, everything is going to change. And I'm telling you that in that moment, everything does change. The trajectory of your life changes, the 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 eternal destination changes but there's still a whole lot of me in me even after I've said the prayer there's still a whole lot of carnal nature that's there there's still a whole lot of sinful tendencies that are there and Paul says after you've made that decision to follow Jesus then you're supposed to be putting off these things the the things that are characteristic of the old man the old sinful nature we're to begin to put those things off to lay those things aside because while salvation may come in a singular decision, character development is a process. It's an ongoing process. And I have observed that there are a lot of people who desire the benefit of being delivered, uh, of the delivered life, who are not willing to discipline themselves spiritually in order to cultivate the character and the nature of their person that and it continues to generate problems and trouble for them. Do you know that you can be saved and still fall prey to the old sinful nature if you're not careful to crucify the flesh on a regular basis? You're still going to struggle with the effects of your sinfulness if you continue to abide in the sinful nature. It's going to happen. You're not, it's not going to be just that one day you say a prayer, you receive Christ, and then you continue to live as you've always lived and not 
bear the fruit of the consequences of that sinful, immoral behavior, whatever it is. It's still going to have its effect in your life. And, and, you know, the equivalent of this is, it's like for a lot of believers, and, and even I, I observe this in a lot of Christian folks' lives, it's almost like we were bound in a prison. We're, you're following, you're tracking with me, right? We were, we were in prison. We were bound in our sins. The Word says we were, we were dead in our trespasses and sins. We were in that prison of bondage. And Jesus Christ has come, and he's kicked the door wide open and said, come on, let's go. And we just kind of say, well, you know, I appreciate the door being kicked open and all. Thank you for that, but I'm just going to hang out here a while. I've really become accustomed to my surroundings. I, I really enjoy the trappings of all the things that are here. I really like the pleasures that I've enjoyed here in my prison. So thanks for opening the door, but I'm just going to chill for a while. I'm going to hang out here. I like it. And Jesus breaks the bonds, sets the captives free. But if you continue to choose your bondage, you'll be bound. It's almost like, you know, they say that when, when they're training elephants, that they take that young elephant and they'll drive a stake deep in the ground and they chain the elephant to the stake and he pulls and he tugs and he does everything that he can to get away and he can't pull the stake out of the ground, he can't move, he can't find freedom, he can't escape. They said if you continue to do that through the life of that elephant, there'll come a day where you can just simply clasp the chain around his neck and you can lay the stake on top of the ground and he won't move, thoroughly convinced that he is secured to his spot and he can't go anywhere other than where he is. And for too many of us, we live that way. I am just what I am. I mean, this is the way I am and I can't help the way I am. But I want to tell you something, that Jesus Christ came and gave his life a ransom for you not to just save you in part but to save you completely to save you totally to change you and make a new creation out of you that the sinful nature would perish that you'd be able to look back and reckon that the old man has died and say I am no longer the same I've been crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ in me. He is making something on the inside of me. And church, let me tell you something. I am the biggest proponent of church attendance that you will ever run into in your life. I mean, for people to come to church, that is my jam, man. I like it. I love seeing you here. Thank you for being here with us today. Thank you for coming and singing the song. Thank you for coming and praying the prayer. Thank you for coming and listening to the word today. But I want to tell you something, church. Christianity is more about being long before it's ever about doing. And you need to be a follower of Jesus Christ before you ever concern yourself with doing the things that look Christian. Because to do the things that look Christian without being Christ-like is the epitome of hypocrisy. And we've got to concern ourselves with this 
issue of character because can I tell you something, church? It's a shallow world out there. It's a shallow world out there. And if you're saved, Paul says, Paul tells us, then it becomes your responsibility as a believer to do certain things. It's your responsibility to get up in the strength of the Lord and walk away from the ties that have bound all of the things that cause heartache in your life. The door is open, but it's our responsibility to walk out. The stone has been rolled away, but it's our responsibility to walk out of the grave. Put away the sinful things, the earthly and evil desires, the lying, the anger, wrath, malice. Can I tell you that I've had things happen to me in this life that have made me very angry, hurt me deeply, and if I allow those things today, they can trigger those feelings again. And there are times I have to just pray and say, Lord, I don't want to be angry. I choose not to be angry. I'm going to walk out of this. I'm not going to remain in this because I know that you have opened the doors of that prison and you have set me free and I don't have to sit here and stare at its gray walls and live frustrated and stirred up and angry. I can be joyful. I can be happy. Why? Because it's my choice in Christ Jesus to be those things. And I can choose those things, but it's a matter of character. Paul says, put away rage, slander, dirty language, sexual immorality, and impurity. And the list could go on from there if we were to reference other passages of Scripture that Paul addresses the same issue. It doesn't matter how much time you spend at an altar. If you have a problem with any sinful behaviors and you continue to walk in it, you will continue to have the problems caused by it. Can I say that again? That it doesn't matter how much time you spend at an altar, how much time you spend in a church, how many times you sing the song or pray the prayer. If you have a problem with any sinful behaviors and you continue to walk in them, you will continue to have the problems caused by them. The things that you entertain in your life will become who you are. It will become the fabric of your character. If you entertain negativity, you will be a negative person. And if you are a negative person, stay away from me. I can deal with a lot of things. Negativity is not one of them. I've got plenty of my own. <laughs> Amen. If you entertain anger, you will live an angry and bitter person. If you entertain sin, you will be sinful. And the list goes on. Anything you want to put in those blanks, if you entertain those, the things that you entertain in your life will be the things that you become. There is a flip side of this, however, because, like I said, we don't just want to end here on negativity, right? 
want to turn it to a more positive note. And if we continue on, Paul says that as we are putting away these things, we don't just do it in a legalistic sense. We're, we're not just, this is not just a list of do this and do this and don't do this and don't do that. And by the way, you wouldn't want to do that thing over there because somebody might think ill of you if you do that thing, so we don't want to do that thing. Church frowns upon that thing. That's not what this is about. This is about putting away the things that are destroying us and destroying our witness, destroying our testimony, destroying and diminishing our character to make room for the things that will build us, the things that will make us more like Christ. And Paul continues here in verse 10, and he says, but put on your new nature. What is my new nature? My new nature is Christ. It's to be like him. He has called us out of darkness and into his marvelous light that we might show forth the praises of him who has called us out of darkness. How many of you in this room today identify as Christian? Now, this is a term that we've become very familiar with. But do you know the first people to ever be called Christian had never been called Christian before? They, nobody handed them a, a card and said, what's your religious preference? And they wrote down Christian. No, but they, they followed Jesus. They followed Jesus and they sought to be like Jesus. They sought to be Christ-like and they emulated Christ so much to the point that it wasn't the people in the church, but it was the people in the world that looked on at them and said, they bear the nature and the likeness of the one they say they follow. We will call them Christians because they are so Christ-like. They have put on the new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and be like him. It is... In this new life, it doesn't matter if you're a Jew or a Gentile, if you're circumcised, uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free, black, white, red, yellow. Christ is all that matters and he lives in all of us. And since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourself, here it is, we put off so we can put on. You must clothe yourself. One of the great challenges of 2020, one of the great challenges of 2020, spilling over into 2021, you know what it was? Among many things, it was the closure of fitting rooms. Come on, somebody, say amen. And the issue was that sometimes you would get smart and you would decide to stand there in the middle of the store. If you're like me, I just irritated the life out of me to have to buy something, drag it home in my house and think that that was more sanitary in some way than just going over here in a room and trying it on. So what I would often do is just stand right there in the middle of the floor and I say, well, I'm just going to slip this on over what I got on. You see where the problem is, right? 
it, it doesn't fit so well when you're already wearing stuff. But if you want to get a true fit and a true measure, you've got to take off before you put on. You, you, can't, you can't just put on some more stuff over some old stuff and say, wow, this is nice, this fits real good. No. No, it, do, it doesn't fit at all. As a matter of fact, it's quite uncomfortable. And you're standing there looking like a stuffed sausage, but going, you know what, after I take this bottom clothes off, maybe that'll fit. And it, it doesn't work. You've you got to take off before you put on. And this is true in, in the Christian life as well. we got to take off so that we can put on. And Paul says you need to take things off so that you can put some things on. Tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. Make allowance for each other's faults. Mm-mm. Make allowance for each other's faults. In other words, if Paul was preaching this to the, to the 21st century church, he'd say, listen, when somebody wrongs you, you ain't got to go spread your mess all over Facebook and Twitter. Listen, I'm going to tell you what. If you want to see some nasty stuff, you get on a discussion thread concerning some church stuff. It'll make you blush. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourself with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And the summary statement for this chapter is found in verse 16. And it says this. Let the message about Christ and all of its richness fill your life. Again, I say that oftentimes before I can be filled with some things, I have to be purged of others. Before I can be filled with Christ, I've got to be purged of the world. Before I can be filled with Christ, I've got to be purged of me. I've got to get myself off the throne to be able to put Christ on it. Let the message about Christ in all of its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives, sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts and whatever you do or say. Do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus. Giving thanks through God to, giving thanks through him to God the Father. And then Paul immediately follows with these instructions here. Paul gives instructions. And this is, say, Pastor, why are we talking about cultivating character on Father's Day? Because Paul immediately follows with these instructions that order the conduct 
within a Christian family. I mean, it, right as soon as verse 17 ends, the verse 18 starts, husbands love your wives. Wives, submit to your husbands. Fathers, don't anger, don't provoke your children. Children, be obedient to your parents. Y'all want me to say it again? We'll get a big amen. Children, obey your parents. See, while, while you're working on serving the Lord, remember that one of the greatest ways to serve the Lord is by serving those that he has put in your life. Work on being a better parent to your children. Work on being a better spouse to your spouse. And remember, character, some people say that character is who you are when you think no one sees. They say character is who, who, you, who you are when you think no one sees. I would add to that that true character is who you are as you're seen by those closest to you. Those little eyes that are watching you day in, day out. Those, those young adults that are walking in the footsteps behind you. They know your character. They know who you are when you think, because I can tell you after almost 24 years of parenthood, I can tell you that I have learned that they're watching when I think they aren't. That's the mistake that we make, is that sometimes we forget there are people watching. And character is who we are when we think no one's watching. So that's why this is so important on Father's Day. This is why this is so important, is because we need to remember that character is who we are when we think no one's watching. And sometimes we forget that there are folks watching. So dad and mom, our nation needs, among many things, a revival in character. We could, we could make another list also of what's needed a revival of in this nation. A revival of serving the Lord, a spiritual awakening, a revival of common sense. Those would be good places to start. But certainly, emanating from the church should be a revival of Christ-like character. So our nation needs that revival, and I pray that you will seek to be a person of godly character in your home and someone that those who are coming behind you wish to imitate. We hope you enjoyed this inspirational message today. If you would like more information about Faith Assembly, please visit us on the web at faith-assembly.org. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you have a blessed day.